A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 22 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're cutting the crap with Ben Afia. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. We'll have Ben on in just a moment. I've got a lot of interviews planned for the coming weeks, but I'm going to take a two-week break to focus on a couple of big projects I've got going on, and I'll also get some of those interviews done. I'll let you know what's up shortly. Let's get right into today's chat with the great Ben Afia, tone of voice guru. Ben has a new ebook called Cut the Crap. It's a guide to better writing. You might have writer in your title or you might not, but either way, you have to listen to this and go grab the ebook. We all write, as Ben points out, so we can all benefit from learning how to do it more effectively. Let's get to the discussion. Ben Afia, welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Thanks for having me, Mark. So, Ben, you just released a great new ebook called Cut the Crap, How to Write So People Buy, a five-step guide to effective writing. What prompted you to write this? Well, so for the last 10 or 15 years, I've been training writers around companies, mostly. And usually that training has tended to be around this company's brand and their tone of voice. And I'm helping them to write better letters, write better emails, better marketing. And over that time, I've sort of long thought about the kind of the approach to training that we have. And I realized recently that actually it's actually been being very consistent over that time. And that was brought to light because I've been asked to speak at a local business school to the MSc marketing students about copywriting. And these are guys that are learning strategy on their course, but they don't necessarily know about the practicalities of writing and junior marketing jobs, the sorts of jobs that they're going to go into. They're probably going to start writing letters and emails and marketing stuff. So I thought, well, what do I have that's generic that works for everybody? And I realized I have these five steps and I thought, well, maybe if I write this book at the same time, that can help the students and then maybe it can help other people too. Yeah. So before we get into the steps, 
Can you tell me why are people not hearing us when we write? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think it's something that maybe surprises people in workshops. You know, we're talking about different kinds of communications and what's going on for the people that we're writing to. And the problem is we're, we're all so busy now, aren't we? We're, we're overflowing with content. You know, one of the things for me is, you know, I love reading. I like reading blogs. I like watching YouTube videos. I like doing online courses. And there's just so much to do. Yeah. But there's another thing as well. One thing that's been great about the internet, and especially smartphones, is that we've got so much information at ready access. We've got social media, we've got our Facebook and our Twitter. So we're actually pretty distracted. You know, if you, if you watch a street, you see people walking down the street, how many are glued to their phones? Right, not looking at traffic or other pedestrians. And walking into lampposts. <laughs> it's quite comic. But there's a third thing that's going on as well, and, it, and it's to do with the way that our brains work. And it's about the sort of the constant filtering that we do. So just to give you an example, if you've ever bought a new car or, you know, you've gone, you know, new old car, suddenly you see the same model and colour driving around all the time, don't you? Right. And all that's happening is that the filtering that your brain is doing is, has changed. And it's looking for patterns. It's looking for similarity with the thing that you've just bought. So we're constantly filtering and we're filtering based on our values, our experiences and our personality. So as communicators, we've got to find a way of getting through those filters. There's a, there's a lot of psychology behind it. There certainly is. And actually, cognitive psychology has come on leaps and bounds in, in the last decade or so. And there's lots of interesting stuff that we can learn about how the brain works and how we can communicate better. Yeah, it's fascinating. Hey, so can you walk us through the steps? Who, what, why, where, how? Absolutely. So, as I mentioned, you know, most of my training is around brand and tone of voice. And tone of voice is about how the personality of a brand comes through. But what I realized in my early training days was that, you know, we might look at rewriting some customer letters, for example. But people would be struggling with the content before they could even get to the tone of voice. They'd be going, well, that's not how the process works anymore. Or, well, do we really want to say this? Or actually, there are too many points here. Do we want to say something else? So I found people were looking at the structure. So these five steps help you think through and structure your thinking before you actually start writing. So step one is who, and this is about who's your audience. Step two is saying, what do you want them to think, feel, or do differently as a result of the thing that you're communicating to them? The third step is why they should care. You know, if we're all busy, why should anybody care about our stuff? Mostly they don't. <laughs> that, I don't think that's news, but... Right. Step four is where. So where do your points fit in the communication? And then only fifth you get to how you want to express your brand. And these are the tone of voice writing techniques. So can you give me a high level on each one of those points? So step one is who, so who's your audience? So what I'm really asking people to do there is to really try and develop a degree of empathy for the people who are gonna be reading whatever you're sending them. So let's say you're writing somebody, a, I don't know, let's say you're in an insurance company and you're sending an annual statement and there's a pack you've got to send, there's a letter and when I'm running my workshops, I'm asking people to think about, well, what's going on for a customer when they're receiving that letter? Maybe they've just got in from work. They've got to get dinner ready for the kids. They've got a big pile of posts and bills and things that they really don't want to have to look at. And there's your, there's your envelope that they're opening. 
So they're busy, they're distracted, they're trying to feed the kids. So it's think, having some empathy for what's going on for people and what kind of people they are. And when I'm running workshops, I, I set an exercise. I go, you know, imagine a day in the life of this customer, an imaginary customer. Imagine one person, give him or her a name, and imagine a day in their life, you know, what's going on for them. And what I tend to find there is you then read the communication that you're maybe rewriting or if you think about what you want to say to them. Having got into that character first, people tend to think very differently and they realise that the usual kind of corporate language isn't really going to stick. Right. It's almost like, uh, you know, the design thinking trend and the primary element of that is empathy. Absolutely. And, and I think the reason that it's important is that it's very easy to get wrapped up in our own stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we wander around, you know, we get through our days, getting through our task list, you know, getting the kids fed, the dog warts and the rest of it. And we tend to be absorbed in our thoughts, uh, our own stuff, our own worries. And so as communicators, we, we, you know, we have to be thinking about what's going on for other people in order to reach them, in order to find something that's going to, that they can relate to and they will flag to them that this thing is important. Yeah. So what? So step two is what? This is what do you want your audience to think or feel or do differently as a result of your communication? So in all the businesses that I've worked with over the years, um, companies like Vodafone, Aviva, Google, uh, you tend to get a lot of of communications that have kind of arrived through the processes that are going on internally, but they're not particularly clear about what you want the customer to do quite often. So they can be to get information across, but Often there's a a motive like we want them to pick up the phone and call us or we don't want them to pick up the phone and call us. We want this letter to satisfy them with the information that they don't need to make the call because for big businesses, running big call centres is expensive, so you don't want calls. In other situations, you might be trying to sell something or you might be just deepening the relationship, providing information. So the what step is really about getting really clear about what you want somebody to think, feel, or do as a result of what you're communicating to them. Great. How about why? So step three is why. And this is really why they should care. And why should they care? So this is looking for a hook or a spark that people can relate to, something perhaps in their day-to-day experience that helps them to relate to the thing that you're communicating and and latch onto it. Um, So if you think of the way that movies start or novels, they tend to have something pretty big happening at the start to draw you in. Something that is either surprising or unexpected, loud. It's a way of capturing your attention and the trigger that makes you go, hmm, I want to read this, I want to find out what happens next. And there's a few steps that that I suggest in the book. So first, think about writing down the most powerful thing you can say about your subject. And really, you're looking for something here that's positive, that's going to be interesting to them, and hopefully that they'd agree with. And the second step, once you've got that most powerful thing, is to then reveal the issue. So what's the problem or the opportunity that's kind of hidden in that issue? And then once you've revealed the issue, then you can give the answer, the idea that tackles that issue. And that's what I call your spark. 
That's a, a very useful step. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalit.org today. So where? So step four is where, and this is about where your points fit in the communication. And so it's not just a matter of starting writing and letting it all come out. What I've tended to find in my workshops is that I get kind of two kinds of people, I suppose. I get planners and I get starters. And often you'll get a group who are the starters and they will start the exercise before I've even finished giving the instructions and they just want to dive in and start writing. And that's fine. We need some action. What I found over time actually is that the planners who think through the points that they want to make and structure them before they start writing can actually, they might finish a bit slower, but they actually find the writing is quicker. So in the workshops, I try to encourage people to do a bit more planning and we need both types. But if we do some planning, there's a couple of ways to go about this that I talk about in the book. So the first is to use the classic kind of media upside down pyramid. So journalists or PRs are taught to structure information with the most important information at the top down to the least important information at the bottom. And the idea is that if somebody only reads your headline or only reads your first paragraph, they've got the gist even if they don't read the rest. And that can work for shorter communications, you know, something up to a couple of pages perhaps. But if you're writing something more complex, maybe it's a presentation, a proposal, an annual report, then sometimes I suggest coming up with a diagram and something like a mind map to organize your thoughts. So we start with the spark, you then add your main points underneath that spark, And then all of the other content that you wanted to add, you can then start organizing those points around the main points. And it's just a way of doing the thinking so that your reader doesn't have to do the thinking at the end. So if you do that structuring, your writing will flow, your argument will be logical, and your reader is much more likely to be able to follow it. So final step, we're in the home stretch here, how? Yeah, so step five is how, and this is about how you'll express your brand. So I've mentioned tone of voice a few times. And this is really where your brand personality expressed through tone of voice comes through. And, and I think of tone of voice as really the way that personality comes through in words, in language. Right. Um, and it's, I think it's important, Ben, to, to point out tone of voice isn't something you just go into a company when you're consulting with them and impose it on them, right? It's something that comes from the company, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So brand is often approached through market research. So we look at the market and try to understand what customers need. So classical marketing is understanding what customers need and then designing something, creating something that will fulfill that need. I find that brand, if brand strategy is created that way, it might speak to a a market, but it doesn't necessarily relate to the culture of the organization. And that's fine if your communication is is purely visual. Uh, But the difference with writing and language is that you are, yes, writing in your marketing and your advertising, but you've also got hundreds or thousands of people throughout your organization writing day to day, and they're writing to each other internally. And they are on social media with your customers. They're writing web chat to customers that are on writing email. So you've got a lot of people responsible for writing things that customers see. So then the question is, how do you make that picture consistent? How do you get consistency between the marketing and the customer service and everything else that comes from your organization. 
And the answer to that is tone of voice or guidelines for tone of voice that help you get that consistency. And the way I like to go about finding that tone of voice is partly by understanding the market, but mainly by understanding the culture and what's true about your organization. And just to give you an example, if I can't come to your organization and try and make you very informal and chatty if you are a formal organization. So to give an example of that, I worked some years ago with a City of London brokerage firm who still came to work in pinstripe suits. <laughs> My natural tone of voice, the way I normally write, is quite energetic and informal and conversational. And that wasn't a very good fit for that client. They needed something more formal. So I will then find a writer who has a little bit more gravitas in their writing. Right. So yeah, you can't impose a tone of voice on a company. You have to start from what's really working in that organization. What is that company, what are those people like when they're at their best, when they're really looking after customers, when they're looking after each other? And so I try to get a sense of their language when they're at their best, capture that into guidelines, and then it's about training people around the organization so that everybody can be using similar techniques to get a consistent tone of voice. Yeah, that's an important point that, you know, I kind of alluded to in my comment just a minute or two ago that, you know, you don't impose a tone of voice on a company. The tone of voice kind of rises up. It bubbles up from the company. And that doesn't mean that you have to be informal or formal. It's whatever suits the company, right? Absolutely. And the interesting thing about this is if you think about how easy or difficult it is to differentiate your company, your brand nowadays, you know, it can be extremely difficult. So if you take, I don't know, telecoms companies, for example, or mobile phone companies, so they're broadly delivering the same thing. You know, one brand, one company might get the latest iPhone first, or I think they used to do that, not anymore, perhaps. Um, but mainly they're competing on the same level. They're buying the same 4G or 5G now, just been announced in the UK, network space. And they have broadly similar infrastructure, mm -hmm. some stronger, some weaker. So it's actually deciding, well, what actually is differentiating for that service? And it partly comes down to brand, but it also comes a lot down to the culture and your ability to deliver good service. Right. So you can't create a tone of voice and slap it on top of that. You know, the tone has got to reflect the reality of the service that you're delivering. Right. And it's really a reflection of the culture of the organization, the people who work there, the line of business they're in. They're, there's all manner of things that go into it. Absolutely. And actually, you know, I, I sometimes think of, of language as being, and tone of voice as almost being a form of organizational therapy. Mm -hmm. and, and what I mean by that is, when I, when I go into an organization, one of the things I like to do initially is to gather lots of examples of writing lots of different types of communications, internal stuff, external stuff, stuff to stakeholders. And you quite quickly build up a picture in your mind of the culture of that organization so that the language is revealing the culture. But because the language can reveal the culture and for the reason that every, every person writes, whereas not everybody is involved in design, you know, the visual side of a brand, right. everybody does write. So if you change the language, if you change the words, you can then change the behavior and therefore change the culture. So it's a very subtle but powerful tool for culture change. 
Yeah, it's 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 a fascinating process. Having been through it with you and done it in other organizations, it's um, it's it really reveals something about the organization. Okay, we've all read the ebook now. What should we do next? How can we put this into action every day in our work? So there's a couple of things. What what I suggest to people when they download the book is to have a piece of you know communication in mind when you read the book, and as you work through chapter by chapter, it really is a step by step guide. Think, have that communication in mind, and then practice on it straight away. So on the download page, I said I suggest you know the the book only takes about fifteen minutes to read. So it's fairly quick. Um, but if you give yourself half an hour to skim through it and then at least 15 minutes to think about a piece of communication at the same time, you're going to start integrating the ideas and practicing the techniques right away. If you read it and shelve it, probably not much is going to happen. You <laughs> might get something from it, but, but you do need to take action. Right. So practice. Practice on the first piece of communication you work on. You can also learn more so flesh out some of the ideas i've got lots of articles on my website and i link to that at the back of the book and the third thing is i'm working on an online course that will take these five steps and bring them to life with videos and exercises and other materials to give you practice so i've announced that there and now i've got to deliver it <laughs> that's the tough part huh i'm halfway through but it's, it's a lot of work but that's coming Ben, this has been great. I encourage listeners to go to benafia.com and download this great ebook. Ben, thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's been fun. Really want to thank Ben for being with me, lining up some great subjects for the next several weeks. We'll be off for a couple of weeks, though, so stay tuned. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc., and this episode is copyright 2018. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You want cash. You want to get stuff done. So what do you do? You buy 5-Hour Energy, of course. You upload the receipt to 5hewin.com, then find out if you instantly won 10 100 or even $1,000. Then you drink that 5-Hour Energy and cut through your to-do list like a hot knife through butter. 5-Hour Energy, the official sponsor of getting stuff done. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 and a legal resident of the U.S. Ends June 30th, 2021. For rules, visit 5hewin.com rules. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply.